dochi pani left hand side. Pass the dochi pani left hand side. It a go bun. It a go done. Anyone growing up in the early 80s would have been well aware of this little number. Musical Youth, a British reggae-influenced pop group formed in Birmingham in 1979, lit up the charts with Past the Dutchie. Mark Sainsbury, I can see you busting out the song. It's been a hard one on close-up. You kick back after close-up glass of wine. You pass the, <laughs> you pass the curry around to your left. Um, yeah, the Dutch curry. Uh, yeah. look, you know, it's funny, as soon as it started playing, I thought, hey, hang on, when was that? You know, it just, you, I can remember seeing it the first time on, on TV, the video that came with it, you know? Oh, it's, yes. It just sticks in your head. Great Doesn't song. it? Yeah. Uh, now, by the way, a little fact here. Many think that Michael Jackson's Billie Jean was the first song by a black artist to get on MTV, but it wasn't. It was Musical Youth who got regular rotation on MTV when Past the Duchy was added. Can you recall this uh, wonderful uh, little reggae piece from back in the day, go- going back to your early 80s, Jenny Giblin? I can. They were so young, those guys, weren't mm. they? I can remember when they came out. They, were, they, seemed really, they seemed really young at the time. I don't know what ages they were, but they, I do remember musical youth, but I can't remember what other songs they sung. Do you know, Jesse? No, no, Wallace. <laughs> Uh, none other, I don't think. Not, not. I mean, they had a couple of albums, didn't they? But uh, nothing like this. They'll be on um, one of those one-hit wonder albums, you know, yep, the yep. compilations. Yep. Very good. Now, um, quite a response on perfumes. Twenty people in the office, everyone wearing a different one. I have a super nose, and I smell everything. And I honestly, I would rather have an honest bo than the stink of expensive perfume. I used to wear Isimiyaki. Very lightly on special occasions. Now I just can't stand the stink of human society. <laughs> get a life. <laughs> well, no, don't don't say to my wonderful panel family, get a life. This is Leah. Um, uh, Leah would kick you out of the office, Wallace, for wearing your brute to work, you know? <laughs> I don't wear brute, <laughs> Come on, you're no, a brute boy. No, good. Uh, what do I wear? What do I wear? I can't recall, actually. I'll have to look at the bottom. Anyway, Leah says it keeps me from going out. Another one here. I was taught uh, that if you can smell your own perfume, uh, you have too much on. Another one here. Yves Saint Laurent, natural perfume since I was 16. I'm 75 now. So, like you, Mark, has stuck with the same one. Uh, if you stick with natural, which means expensive, cut out the synthetic. And a huge response to uh, Rivers. Um, Wallace, you are right. If we continue to base our economy on intensive dairying, we can kiss goodbye to clean rivers, is one person's point of view. Um, I used to swim in the Salwyn River in Canterbury, says one. Uh, hang on. Could you ever swim in the Salwyn River? Could you ever? Do you know, Jenny? I don't Wouldn't know if you could. 
I don't know if you could. Was that river ever swimmable? Let me know. 2101. 4.37, the panel, RNZ National. Finding a relief teacher these days is proving hard to find, very hard to find, in fact. So much so that schools are getting ahead, booking relief teachers for a term at a time. COVID has played havoc with the school system, uh, either taking people out or the teachers or both. With us to discuss is Papakura High School Principal Simon Craggs. Kia ora, Simon. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And indeed, your school, as others, you felt the full brunt having. In fact, you had to send 200 year 10 students home last week for the last period because you could not get enough cover. Yeah, that's right. It's been a bit of a perfect storm over the last uh, few weeks in particular um, with trying to find relievers, um, trying to staff the school with a shortage of relievers, um, particularly with the, the PPTA having a relief ban in place, meaning that we can't use our union member teachers to cover classes. So we got to a point where we just could not staff the classes for the number of staff that were away on that particular day. We did have more staff absent than usual due to illness, trips out, um, all sorts of different things going on on the same day. So we decided that the least disruptive thing to do was to send our Year 10s home for the last period of the day. By doing that, that meant that we freed up teachers who would normally be teaching them to cover classes earlier in the day. So we could cover all our senior classes, all our Year 9s, And, yeah, it it was a bit of a difficult situation. Indeed, you have to do what you have to do. Do you think it's going to get worse, Simon? I certainly think that if the industrial action continues that it will get worse. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the the PBTA's upcoming plans, but uh, there are likely to be rostering home uh, extra rolling strikes. Um, The relief ban will continue so unless the, the contract negotiations get settled soon, it's likely to get a whole lot worse, particularly in Term 2 where we always see a lot more staff illnesses with the coming of winter and yes. all of those sorts of things that occur normally um, during a school year. Gosh, yeah. Uh, Jenny? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was um, having a look today on the Immigration New Zealand uh, under the green list because I um, I noticed that you, in the article, it said, that um, primary schools have lost a third of their of their relief pool, which I thought was quite quite a lot. But when I looked on the green light immigration list, thinking, well, you know, are we short of teachers? Um, they're certainly looking for secondary school teachers and early childhood teachers, but nothing there for primary school teachers. So I just wondered what you thought about that. Um, well, I can't really comment on primary uh, not being in that sector myself. But um, while they are on the green list, I can tell you that. Um, I just checked up this afternoon actually we appointed a teacher from the UK to come teach hospitality and the appointment was made on the 19th of January and we're still waiting for NZQA to approve their qualifications so while they are right. um, it should be easier to bring teachers into the country the reality is that it's just um, taking ridiculous amounts of time as those teachers have to work through the bureaucracy to get mm. here. Simon, have we just not had enough teachers coming through? Is the pool of teachers too small? Do we have we not been training enough? Absolutely. I think if you look at the numbers going into tertiary education and teaching, they're probably about a third of where they were 10, 15 years ago. Teaching is not an attractive 
um, profession, unfortunately, for our young people at the moment. And that's, I guess, part of the reason why the PPTA are going into bat so hard for uh, the negotiations this round, because they can see that the crisis is there and, and that we really need to make teaching a more attractive profession. I'd like to know, because we haven't sort of covered so much uh, the relief teacher sector, Simon, I'd be interested to know who are the relief teachers? Where are they from? Uh, our relief teacher pool, I can only speak for us, yeah. um, are quite a diverse group. They're uh, mostly in the older age group, so they'd all be into their 50s or 60s. Uh, so they're late career teachers who probably were wanting to get away from the demands of a full-time teaching position mm. where you're having to write reports and plan for lessons and attend parent-teacher evenings and all of those sort of things. So they want a bit more flexibility to be able to take the odd day off here and there um, and not have all those extra requirements. They are yeah, quite diverse culturally. We've got uh, a number from the Indian subcontinent, Fiji, um, Britain and and a few Kiwis in there as well. Uh, can, I, can I bring this up, Simon, while you're here? Uh, COVID-19 has, of course, hit the education sector pretty pretty hard, as other sectors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking to uh, school, as I have over the uh, last uh, three or so years, you really sense that, you know, and um, pupils away, teachers away. Can I ask you, what do you make of the Prime Minister's announcement to retain for two months, the seven-day stay-at-home strategy. It's been fairly uh, much debated uh, this morning and uh, yesterday evening. Yeah, I think that will continue to have, or it has had an impact on schools and will continue to do so um, while it's in place. Um, On the other hand, I can see the other side of it as well in that if a teacher does come to school or a student does come to school and they have been infected or uh, um, in contact with somebody who's infected with COVID-19, it can wreak havoc, particularly in a classroom of up to 30 kids poorly ventilated. (laughs) You can imagine that it's going to have a big impact. So I I can certainly see the need for some form of isolation. Whether seven days is the appropriate time frame, I'm no expert, but it does seem on the long side. Um, but yeah, either way, it's, it, it impacts on schools. Hey Simon, can I just ask you something? If you suddenly have to send home a couple of hundred kids early because you haven't got a teacher, don't they rely on buses? And aren't there is there a whole system that sort of is going to get mucked up? I mean, how do they get home? For us, uh, the vast majority of our kids walk. Uh, we don't have. Well, we've got two kids, I think, who catch a bus out of. Oh, um, that's good. Uh, a school bus. There yeah. are others who public transport that can catch buses at whatever time. So we did offer the option for our students to remain at school and be supervised. But How many took up that one? (laughs) How many do you think? (laughs) Not very many. Not very many at all. Most of them were out the gate as as soon as the bell rang. So... (laughs) Good to have you Simon. on, Simon. Oh, one more, one more question from Jenny. Go for it, Jenny. Simon, is this an issue that's across the country, or is it an issue that's in in certain areas more than others, or is it is it a nationwide problem? Um, look, I I'm, can't really speak for other areas, but I, I do know it's a, a problem in Auckland um, from my networks that I have around the area. 
I suspect that it is in other areas as well. I don't I don't think we're any different in South Auckland to the rest of the country. Yeah. Good on you, Simon. But hey, um, wrong. Oh, yeah. uh, kia ora, thank you for your time, and we'll come back to the issue. In fact, I'd like to hear from relief teachers. We might come back to this on Friday, actually. That's Simon Craggs there, Papakura High School principal. Uh, Ainsley says, I'm a primary trained teacher, taught for 20 years. I was out for 12 years while working overseas, let my registration lapse, on returning three years ago, I tried to return to teaching and the rigmarole to be retrained and re-registered was ridiculous. Consequently, I didn't return to teaching at a time when there is a desperate need. Lots coming through, by the way, about the Salwan River. Yes, in parts of it you can swim, uh, for example, up near Whitecliffs. And the fragrance, Mark says, I am in the pro-fragrance camp. I collect them. I have 100 fragrances worth thousands. So, yes, kia ora to you too, Mark. It's 14 away from five. Jenny Giblin and Mark Sainsbury joining me today. Now, most New Zealanders are opposed to raising the pension age. This is a new study. Universal access to the pension is still the most preferred option for many New Zealanders with strong opposition to means-testing superannuation payments revealed in a new survey out today. The University of Otago study commissioned by Te Ara Ora Retirement Commission surveyed nearly 1,300 people and more than half of whom were strongly against raising the retirement age to 67. Now, recall last year, Nationals' Chris Luxon committed to raising the age of super should the party get into power. With us is lead author, Dr Andrew Coleman. He completed the study on behalf of the Retirement Commission. Dr Coleman, welcome. Thank you very much. Strongly against raising it. 65 is so ingrained in this country, isn't it? Did this come as any surprise? The increase in support um, that we noticed since the last study was taken uh, in 2014 was a surprise to me. But uh, it, the study made sure that when people were considering the age of 65 or 67, that they were always trading off something. So it, you were asked, uh, would you like 65 with higher taxes or 67 and not so high taxes? Or would you like 65 and a higher pension, uh, or sorry, 65 and the same pension, or 67 and a higher pension. So there's always a trade-off involved, and people were, a majority of people, were, were clear that they were opposed to an increase um, in the age from 65 to 67, or would prefer to keep it at 65 and pay higher taxes or take other um, options that raise the cost. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? It's that strong. Uh, 65, uh, it is. Well, let's go around the panel on this. Jenny, give them you first. And by the way, where do you stand on this? Uh, well, I'm probably in the unpopular camp. I, I think the retirement age should be uh, raised to 67. Um, so not with, the, with everybody else there. But I think um, what I worry about is that the growing number of people that are going to be hitting 65 I worry about the demographics around that. I worry about the next generation in terms of student loans and their ability to, to pay for the large number of people that are going to be getting the the, um, the pension. And um, I also, I mean, I'm, I'm not in my 60s, so I, I'm, I'm not nearing that age, but I, I'm, I guess you might change your mind when you get a bit closer to the time, but I just couldn't imagine um, not wanting to um, to be working full-time and, and expecting the government to pay me at, at 65 when I'm hopefully still fit and able to work. 
Okay, so that's a uh, yes to raising it. Stay there, Andrew. Let's bring Mark Zainsbury in. Yeah, well, Wallace, I agreed with the idea of raising it. Remember, John Key swore that he'd never be raised as long as he was Prime Minister. But when you look at all the numbers and the figures and things, it makes sense to stretch it out. And we also tend to work longer. Now, you would maybe there needs to be some flexibility, but then you also get the argument that, that in certain um, demographics for Māori, for instance, many do not live out. Their life expectancy is so much shorter. So I think, yes, if you read and graduated it up, but it has always been such a political hot potato. I mean, going back to when Labour put the surtax on um, national super instead of raising it. Oh, we haven't touched your super. We've just put a surtax on huh. every dollar you end earn separate to that. And that just got people so angry. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really redressed in the port of the common, but, you know, you ha- would have seen the protests in France, and that's going from 62 to 64. <laughs> a clear sign to anyone thinking of raising it, Andrew, it would be the issue of the decade, would it not? It, it's clearly an important issue, but um, it's an issue that we haven't really confronted since mm. you know, 1997 when there was a referendum, not in any serious way. And no one under 40 voted in that referendum. So it potentially is an issue that should, we should come back to. Um, one of the things that we were very careful to do in the survey was to ask whether people would prefer to raise taxes now or raise taxes ne- in, in the future on the next generation in order to pay for um, the pension. So people were always asked a comparison question, and in this case it was, would you like no increase in taxes now, but the next generation's taxes have to go up by five percentage points, which is about $50 a week if you earn $50,000? Or would you prefer to increase them by two percentage points now, so the next generation only has a three percentage point increase in taxes? So taxes will have to go up, but they won't have to go up by so much. And a clear majority of people say they would be willing to have the increase in taxes now to prevent such a high increase in taxes in the future. So we know that there's population ageing coming, but people of all ages, all genders say, yes, in order to smooth the tax payments to enable a, a pension scheme to continue at 65 or to continue at 67 because raising it by two years reduces the size of the tax increases, but they're still going to go up um, given the demographic trends. But a majority of yeah. people are still saying we don't mind increasing taxes now if it means that the increase on the future generations is reduced. Just keep it the same. No, Mark, we've got to move on. We've got a big story pending. But uh, no doubt we'll hear more about this. Dr Andrew Coleman from Otago, formerly Otago University Curator. That's uh, a new study raising the pension age. Uh, No, a big no, say many of you. I've got to sneak this in. We are officially entering a new tech age. That's right. A company has been granted approval to begin delivering pizza by drone. Not Tamaki Makoto, not Paul Nicky, not your Christchurches or Hawke's Bay, not your Blenheim even. It's the remarkable place we call Huntley. There used to be a decker sign there. And the company's called Skydrop, and the Civil Aviation Authority has approved the proposal. It could kick off-store door-to-door pizzas in a couple of months' time. 
Who are we going to call? We're going to call the Waikato District Mayor, Jackie Church. Kia ora, Jackie. Kia ora. Probably the biggest thing to hit Huntley in a century. You've got your pizza <laughs> coming in by drone. How excited are you? Well, we are the beating heart of the Golden Triangle of New Zealand's economy. Exactly. So, hey, why? Would, of course, it's no surprise that it's coming to the Great Great Waikato and right on the river, Waikato River, and then into Huntley. It's a fantastic town, right on the motorway, so why wouldn't it be the first place that oh, new technology comes? You don't need to convince me about the benefits <laughs> of Huntley. I drive through there all the time. Um, but tell, tell me why. How did this come about? Why Huntley? Well, I think I explained that really. It's, you know, it's, it's the middle of the Golden Triangle. It's a beating heart, and it's <laughs> yeah, all right, all <laughs> but right. Honestly, but you know, and uh, you know, honestly, it's, it, I think I understand. I, I'm not 100 percent sure myself, other than they've chosen really well. This, this company's obviously done a good job in choosing of course the right, they have. The right space. Jenny, I, I think it's just on the profile of the town. Is my understanding. Jenny Giblin, are you jealous that you don't I'm get your, you don't, you don't get your Domino's <laughs> pizza droned to you, you in Hawke's Bay? You still got to take your your Land Rover into town. Well, we've only just got a Domino's pizza in the last six months in Waipukara, so we're miles behind where Huntley is. Mm. What a cool initiative! Very cool, isn't it, Mark Sainsbury? What are this for you? Look, you well, don't even have this in Wellington. No, all right. The pizzas don't necessarily do it for me, but I, I notice that they can use they could take defibrillators to people. They could drop off all sorts of stuff, your medicines and all that sort of thing. And are you trying to tell me seriously that you don't take the bypass at Huntley, Wallace? Are you telling me you turn off and drive through don't, Huntley every time? Don't put me on the spot in front of Jackie. <laughs> I, don't put me on the spot. I, I, we, every time we approach Huntley, Jackie, I have this big argument. I say to my wonderful wife, let's stop at Huntley. And she says, why? And I say, because... because, because It's the beating heart. No, because there's that wonderful Decker sign. There's that great park bench by the river that I love sitting on, eating my full roll that I get from that wonderful bakery there. Do you know the one, Jackie? Yes. You see? Absolutely. Yep. Yes. That's it. But also, do you realise, actually going through, I shouldn't probably say that, but I've noticed for myself that going along the expressway or mm-hmm. going through Huntley, about the same amount of time, but when you go through Huntley, you get to be able to stop and sit by the river, watch yeah. the watch the water go by and, and grab some lunch or morning tea. It's, 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 it's a real, lovely break on your holiday. No, seriously, I love it. And and, and, and being serious, um, I like the redesign you've done in the, in the, in the town precinct. Oh, OK. Well, we've got a new train station. That's, that's pretty exciting. We're exactly. pretty excited about that. So what else will this bring? What are you hoping? You, have you been in touch with the engineers or the, 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 the American company Skydrop at all? No, we haven't. We, but um, I haven't personally, but our um, Open Spaces team has had some discussions with them about about it. So well, we'd like to extend that invitation to them. And I'm sure that people like the community board and the locals would like to know a bit more about what's happening and the exciting opportunity. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Jackie, you're going to invite us around for pizza? Well, yeah, exactly. Everyone likes a free piece of pizza, don't they, or a slice? So we don't know. I don't know if they're going to do a proper launch or what, what, what's the idea of it, but I think um, people will be very interested. Good on you, Jackie. That's the Waikato District Mayor there um, sticking up for Huntley, and rightfully so, because why? If you dismiss that, um, the first uh, drone-driven pizza arrives. It's Domino's to your door. It's extraordinary stuff only in Huntley. Although Dave says Wallace, I lived in Huntley in the late 70s for two years. I'm still in therapy from that experience. Oh Dave, please.
keep your texts to yourself. Um, or uh, a lot regarding um, the Super Am. I'm a 52-year-old plumber. My body hurts. Plumbing 34 years. Crawling under houses with 300 millimeter clearances. Crawling 10 meters to fix a pipe. Then getting back out. Going back under, I have trigger finger with my fingers. I have a sore back. My hips hurt. My eyesight's fading. Please. I'm 52. I can't see myself getting to 65 doing what I do. You can't beat that, Jenny Giblin. Oh, that's pretty That's pretty tough. It sounds a bit like my husband feels a bit the same working on the farm. Indeed, indeed. And yeah, Greece, they, don't forget, they had the problem when they, as part of the thing when the economy was running wild, Wallace, was that they had a graduated pension scheme and you retired according to how hard your job was judged. Good. So good. If, you, if you were a hairdresser, they said, you've been on your feet most of your life, you can retire at 55. Uh, now, going out on Pastor Dutchie, which reminds me, Tim Watkin is taking my place for one day only, but don't worry, I'm back <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> is that wise, Wallace? <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? Mark Sainsbury, Jenny Giblin, kia ora to you both. I'm Wallace Chapman. Big thanks to Sam Hollis, my producer. Stay tuned to RNZ because Checkpoint with Lisa Owen is next.